What's up, Playbookers? I'm Rogu Munavalin. The history behind a possible Trump indictment. Here's the big thing we're watching on Tuesday, March 21st. On the afternoon of January 6, 2021, as pro-Trump rioters were ransacking the Capitol in Washington, prosecutors in Manhattan gathered on Zoom to discuss Donald Trump's bookkeeping practices. More than two years later, while state and criminal investigations into Trump's culpability for the events of January 6 continue, it is the Manhattan probe that is set to produce the first Trump indictment, likely this week. What we don't know for sure is what crime or crimes that Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg will charge Trump with. The weight of available evidence suggests Trump will be charged with violating a New York state law against falsifying business records. Specifically, Bragg is apparently preparing to argue that Trump created fictitious records during the scheme to pay off Stormy Daniels in October 2016 after she threatened to expose their alleged affair. The return of the hush money caper to the white-hot center of American politics has a lot of people scratching their heads and puzzling over some basic questions. Of all the Trump scandals, why is this the one that's going to get him arrested? Didn't authorities already rule out any culpability for Trump in that case? And isn't Bragg's legal theory hopelessly flawed? To understand how one of the OG Trump scandals returned from the dead to ensnare Trump seven years after Daniels got her $130,000, we need to review the case's complicated history. Back in 2021, inside the Manhattan DA's office, then run by Cy Vance, the Daniels saga was known as the zombie case. It was dead and then brought back to life by Mark Pomerantz, who led the Manhattan DA's Trump investigation. When he started the job in early 2021, Pomerantz first dug into the hush money payments because, he later wrote, it was interesting and easy to understand, unlike the complicated financial investigation of the Trump organization that would later become his focus. The case started as a federal criminal probe of Michael Cohen, Trump's longtime fixer. Some basic facts are not in dispute. Cohen took out a home equity loan to pay Daniels the $130,000. Cohen then billed Trump to reimburse him. While in the White House, Trump personally signed the reimbursement checks to Cohen throughout 2017. The Trump Organization recorded the payments as so-called legal expenses. In 2018, prosecutors in the Southern District of New York unraveled the entire affair, charging Cohen with, among other things, making illegal federal campaign contributions. In the sentencing memorandum written after Cohen pleaded guilty, the Fed said Cohen acted in coordination with and at the direction of Trump, who you might remember was stuntingly disguised as Individual One. When all of this was disclosed back then, it was common for legal pundits to assume that the guy who SDNY said directed this illegal scheme was guilty of the same crime. Bob Bauer, now President Biden's personal lawyer, told the New York Times back in 2019, it now leaves little doubt that Trump faces criminal prosecution after he leaves office for the same offenses for which Cohen will serve time. But SDNY never pursued a case against Trump. Pomerantz, according to his book about the case, surmised that they were one, abiding by the DOJ's guidance against indicting a sitting president, and two, had such a difficult relationship with Cohen, who, who was never offered a formal cooperating witness deal, that they didn't want to rely on him as a witness. So Pomerantz and his colleagues in the DA's office took up the case instead, 
And then they dropped it. There were two reasons. First, they believed they had a better case against Trump that involved financial fraud. But secondly, there was a hiccup that they worried could potentially cripple the case before it ever reached a jury. In New York, falsifying business records is a misdemeanor, and nobody thought it would be worth charging an ex-president with such a minor offense. And while the statute also says that a felony can be charged if records are falsified to perpetrate or hide another crime, nobody knew whether the state's law's wording covered a federal crime, such as the campaign finance violation that Cohen was convicted of. Pomerantz ditched the Stormy case and moved on to put together a highly complex financial fraud case. When Bragg replaced Vance, he declined to move forward with Pomerantz's fraud case, much of which was taken up by the New York Attorney General and referred to federal prosecutors, who have far more resources for that kind of difficult case. But Bragg revived the hush money investigation. The zombie case was once again back from the dead. The two big potential weaknesses of the case remain. One, can prosecutors overcome the ambiguity of the statute to ensure a felony charge? And two, how much will prosecutors need to rely on Cohen, a convicted felon, as their star witness in the case? When you read the indictment, if there is an indictment, look for answers to those two questions. One person close to the case told Playbook they do not believe they are major hurdles. This person had to say, if you solicit an illegal campaign contribution, federal or state, it's a crime. You're violating the campaign contribution limits in New York State just as much as you're violating federal campaign finance laws. On the question of Cohen's credibility, this person argued that there is little that he has told the DA that isn't backed up by corroborating evidence. One exception is an account of a meeting between Trump Cohen and former Trump Organization CFO Alan Whistleberg, where the three men allegedly discussed details of the payment scheme. The person close to the case told us, so with that, it's Trump's word against Cohen's. Take me into a jury room with that choice, and I don't have any doubt who they're gonna believe. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House at 1.15 p.m. Eastern. President Joe Biden will leave the White House for the White House Conservation and Action Summit at the Interior Department, where he'll speak at 1.45 p.m. At 4.30, the Bidens will host a ceremony for the National Medals of Arts and National Humanities Medals in the East Room, with Vice President Kamala Harris and Second Gentleman Doug Emhoff also attending. The Senate will meet at 3 p.m. It'll vote on the motion to proceed to the repeal of the Iraq authorizations for use of military force at 5 p.m. The House is out today. All right, for more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Rogu Manavalan. Have a good Tuesday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning.